0: Welcome to the Purdue Basketball Podcast. I'm Elliot Bloom, joined by the Hall of Fame voice of the Boilermakers, Larry Clisby. Episode 53 here on the podcast and today we are very uh, excited and fortunate to welcome in Clark Kellogg, uh, Special K, and a uh, lot of lot of topics we want to get uh, in discussion with. But first, Clark, uh, thank you for taking the time to join us today.
1: An absolute pleasure, Elliot and Larry. Great, great to be with you guys. Um, saw you a little over a week ago in West Lafayette, and I'm glad to jump on with you.
0: Yes, saw you were in town, had the Michigan State call here in Mackey, and uh, uh, in fact, that's when I kind of hit you up and greased the right, the tracks right. here to get you on <laughs> get you exactly
1: on the exactly. You took advantage of the opportunity, and uh, oil the makers look good on that Sunday afternoon.
0: Well, I wanted to ask you about that before we kind of dive into things here. Is you know your thoughts? Um, we played well on that Saturday, especially. Uh, for a majority of the game, and then uh, Michigan State did what they do and came on that run. But, uh, yeah, just give us your thoughts on on our team this year and and kind of the stuff we're doing now in the midst of this
1: winning streak. Yeah, I've I've enjoyed the process and the progress. Um, Obviously playing well here over the last several weeks. Um, The emergence of Trevion Williams has been a big part of that, the shot-making of Ryan Klein. And, you know, in Carson Edwards you've got a guy who can – always go for 30 um, at any given time he's not been as efficient perhaps as he would like to be or matt would like him to be across the season but he still creates so much of an impact because he draws so much attention from the opponents, and he is a big time shot maker gets work done at the foul line and the complementary players i think have been terrific i mean Matt Painter and the coaching staff getting contributions really from everybody. He's playing nine or ten guys pretty regularly. Um, Everybody's doing their job. Um, Confidence is growing. and uh, The Boilers are fun to watch, and I think they'll continue to be um, a dangerous team as we go to the second half of, of the Big Ten schedule.
0: Yeah, it's been interesting too with the league being as strong as it is top to bottom. Um, And I know, you know, you live in in Columbus, Ohio State grad, uh, a strong affinity to the Big Ten. Um, I've remarked to several people that, you know, with the Big Ten, especially with our media rights deal now, with a game being on almost every night of the week, it's just been a great season to be able to watch so many conference games and have so much good competition within the league.
1: I agree with you. I mean, the league top to bottom, I think, is probably as strong as it's been. Um, even Penn State, it's sitting at one and ten, um, is a dangerous team. I've been a little surprised by how poorly they've performed this season. Can't quite put my finger on it. Uh, Northwestern. How about Illinois starting to show a little life here? Right. Uh, you know, Brad Underwood going to get that team going. Nebraska's been a surprising disappointment, but injury to uh, the injury, the recent injury to Isaac Copeland, um, Jr. is a significant blow. Um, And then playing with expectations is a little different than coming off the path. And um, teams always want to be ranked and recognized, but that burden is something you have to learn to carry and learn to carry well. And I think some of that is a factor in in Nebraska getting other teams' best shots, uh, not just in conference play, but even outside of the conference early on, being ranked and being expected to be a tournament caliber team. Um, so it's um, gonna be fun watching these last eight nine ten games as we um, go into this you know second half of the season
0: right well I want to I want to go back to your beginnings a little bit um, and uh, I know Larry and I were talking here before we gave you a call to uh, you guys share the uh, the Ohio connection here and and you grew up uh, in Cleveland yeah and uh, talk a little bit about kind of your upbringing and then when you got that that bug um you know the basketball bug and or maybe there's the sports bug overall
1: yeah hey, you know i grew up in cleveland i'm the oldest of five i've got a younger brother and three younger sisters uh, my late dad was a longtime cleveland policeman as uh spent 40 plus years with the cleveland police department uh, and was um a huge factor in my exposure to sports um uh, and my brother and sisters as well. I just kind of took hold of it with the most earnestness as a young fella. Probably eight, nine years old is when I really kind of locked into hoops as my passion. I loved other sports, but basketball grabbed me pretty early. And uh, I had a tremendous um, upbringing in terms of um, just a solid, lower middle income class family again my dad was a policeman my mom stayed at home until i was probably in eighth or ninth grade and started doing some clerical work at a local hospital uh, had a hoop in the backyard
0: yeah, uh, yeah.
1: when i was nine or ten years old my dad created a little um, backyard court for me and it was a neighborhood gathering spot in east cleveland Man, mm, there you place. go yeah it would be packed um he'd pull up in the driveway sometimes from work and wonder where all the people came from but <laughs> a hoop and a ball and a bunch of kids man that's enough to get a backyard full of folks and um, then gravitated to playing at the playgrounds in the uh, in, in the neighborhood i grew up in and surrounding areas of cleveland and uh, just fell in love with the game I mean I really did Loved reading about it Loved watching it Loved talking to my dad about it and uh, early on just showed a little bit of an aptitude for it I was kind of long and gangly and uh, from daylight to dark in the summer Elliot that's uh, that's where I wanted to be I wanted to be somewhere trying to figure out how to get my moves perfected yeah and hold and hold court in those playground pickup games
0: Now you talked about you talked about kind of figuring out that you maybe at what point did you figure out you were a little bit better than maybe the next guy.
1: You know what? It was probably um, elementary school, fourth, fifth grade, sixth grade when I seemed to be able to, you know, hold my own a little bit with guys that maybe were a year or two older than me. I was a little tall. I was tall for my age, so clearly sometimes folks thought I was older than I was because of my size, Mm -hmm. and uh, when I got on the court with guys that were a little older, um, I seemed to be able to kind of hold my own, and by the time I got to middle school and my freshman year in high school, after going to a summer basketball camp, um, between my 8th and ninth grade years, I went to a pretty good basketball camp in a suburb of Cleveland. It was actually the Austin Carr Camp. You're okay. Great yeah, the Notre Dame yeah. grade, who was the Cleveland Cavalier grade as well. Uh, went to his camp, first basketball camp I had gone to that required an overnight stay and really excelled against high school guys. And I was an eighth grader. I mm-hmm. had I was about to start ninth grade. And that summer, that's when it uh, kinda started to take root. And then I was a varsity starter as a freshman in high school. And from there, it was just, um, it seemed that I was a little bit ahead of my peers in terms of my ability.
2: Well, growing up in Northeastern Ohio, and sports was my game as well. And of course, I'm about uh, 15 years older than you are, but uh, (laughs) I certainly remember the Clark Kellogg uh, name. And um, we used to, you know, back in those days, you'd have a game or two on television, especially in the state finals. Uh huh. And this guy uh, put up a fifty-one spot. Was it against Columbus East? You got it right, Larry. Great memory,
1: great recall, man. That game is coming up now. It'll be a forty-year anniversary here in March because that game that was nineteen seventy-nine, and we played Columbus East. Um, Ended up losing in that championship game to Granville Waiters and the Columbus East Tigers. And then Granville Waiters and I ended up being not only teammates in college at Ohio State, but roommates. And then also spent a couple of years together playing for the Indiana Pacers.
2: Wow. And in that game, in that game that we're speaking of, 51 points, and you didn't do too well on the boards. I think he had 24. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Again,
1: right on, right on target, Larry. Right on target as always. Yeah. There, were, there were a bunch of missed shots, and I was pretty good at chasing those down. But I tell you what, man, that um, experience of being able to be the first team in our high school's history to get to the state championship game, if I'm not mistaken, was really great for our school and our city at that time. Cleveland in the late 70s was going through. Um, A lot of challenges um, overall. Um, Athletically, the football team was decent. The Browns but the Cavs were at that time a bit of a struggling franchise. And there was a lot of excitement around our ability um, to get to the state championship game. And unfortunately, just came up um, a bit short against a really good Columbus East team that day.
0: So, talk about your recruiting process. You're in high school. You, you're, you're having a lot of success. Your team's successful. You get to the state championship. Um, was it? Uh, was it? Was there a, a close second place to Ohio State, or was it always going to be? Yeah, it the was. Out? Yeah,
1: it was actually Ohio State, Michigan. Those okay. Were the two schools that um, it came down to and had great affinity for both institutions and both programs. The coaches at the time, Johnny Orr, the late Johnny Orr was the head coach at Michigan, Um, Eldon Miller, um, who's still around. He's coaching um, actually as an assistant or a quasi-assistant with his son, Ben Miller, who's the head coach at UNC Pembroke um, down in North Carolina. Um, And the state of Ohio basically recruited me. I was an Ohio kid. The team that I was going to join was comprised of a number of really outstanding Ohio high school players, Herb Williams and Kelvin Ramsey. Um, Jim Smith was from Cleveland. Um, Carter Scott was from Barberton. Um, It was really a strong group of um, Ohio uh, bred players that were already at Ohio State. And uh, the fans of Ohio, the fans of Ohio State, those players, along with some of the other members of the team, really uh, made a strong impression on um, me and my family. And it was hard to say no to the Buckeye Nation. It was time, to, time to make a decision. I'm glad I made the decision I did. It's been uh, remarkable remarkable to be part of that family to be an alum of that that institution, the Ohio State University, and to um, have the um, support and the connection to um, the Buckeye Nation on multiple levels has been uh, really one of the great blessings of my life, quite honestly. And you
0: sit on the board over at Ohio Yeah, State. I currently
1: do. Yeah, I'm actually yeah. closing um, a nine-year appointment as a trustee, which is a great honor and a tremendous learning experience for me. Um, I got appointed by Ted Strickland back in 2010. It's a governor appointment. And uh, fortunate to be in the position to learn and grow and actually um, serve my alma mater in a very meaningful um, way over the last uh, eight-plus years.
0: Now, I've heard a story, and I I, I think we may have asked you about this at one point when we we saw you on the road doing a game, but there was a game. Did you beat Purdue on a tip-in in in Columbus?
1: I did not. It may have been – we actually – I can't remember how we fared overall. I was only in school at Ohio State for three years. I left after my junior year, and – um, the spring of 82 so we played six times against the boilers and i think we may have been 500 in those six meetings um i can't remember them all i do recall you tend to remember the losses more than the yeah, wins. i do right. recall losing an overtime game to the boilers um in columbus actually keith edmondson yeah. was one of the key guys for the Boilermakers and like I think I missed one or two key free throws in that game that cost us a chance to seal it, either in overtime or regulation. It's crazy what stays on the hard drive of your mind. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh,
0: well, there was. Always- but I do recall. I do
1: recall going in there as a freshman, in um, a game where Joe Barry Carroll and uh, I want to say was it. Uh, I can't remember some of the other names, but it was a big time game because we had. I bet you there were probably five. Maybe five or six future NBA players in that game. Wow. my freshman year. Wow, and uh, we got a big win on the road at Purdue that I do recall. Um,
0: and then you you overlapped with Coach Katie for a couple of those right. years, right? Yes,
1: yeah, that's right. That's right. Lee Rose was there my freshman yeah. year, if I recall correctly, and then yep. my sophomore and junior year, Coach Katie was um, in charge of the ball makers. So there
0: was one story that that our old trainer used to tell that. In Columbus, we lost on a tip-in, and coach kicked the trash can so hard that they thought he broke his toe. And then uh-huh. in, in those days, I guess that were you guys travel partners with Michigan?
1: I can't remember who our travel partner was, but we did have travel partners in those yeah, days. Yeah, because the,
0: the the story went that Purdue went from Columbus up to Ann Arbor. And they had to make a little detour at the hospital to get Coach Kady's toe x-ray. Oh, really? I had not
1: not heard that. But he was pretty animated and fiery. And and a great coach. And actually, uh, one of my favorites as I became a broadcaster to be able to spend time with whenever I would have a Purdue game when he was coaching or just to... Have a chance to interact with him, whether it was uh, seeing him at a Final Four or serving on a committee together. He's uh, he's one of the delightful guys that we've had the pleasure of being around in the game of basketball.
0: Yeah, I know. He always spoke of you. He always said, you know, he was he, he loved competing against you. And then he said, boy, when he when you decided to leave, he was a happy man. He said because <laughs> you were a load to deal with. <laughs> <laughs> So that decision to leave, to, to go early, what, what what was your thought process? Was How difficult a decision was that?
1: You know, it wasn't terribly hard or difficult for me for a number of reasons. One, it was my junior year. Uh, we actually exceeded expectations. We had a disappointing tournament loss, but during the course of the season, we actually had a chance to play for the championship or a piece, at least a piece of it on the last day of the season lost a game at Minnesota. Um, I was heavily um, involved in... With with the relationship with the woman that eventually be, would become my wife in 1983, Rosie and I had dated the three years I was in college and um, got married after my first year with the Pacers. I was ready mm-hmm. uh, to step into the next chapter. Um, I was eager and anxious to get started with that part of my life, felt like I was physically and emotionally ready, at least as as, as well as one could be at 21. Uh, but I was reasonably mature. I mean, I still was a knucklehead in some areas, but by and large, I was pretty grounded mm-hmm. um, and was ready to step into the challenge and opportunity of being a pro and then also to, to move on with my life with, uh, with Rosie and uh, don't really have any regrets. Um, part of me on occasion thinks about what could have a senior year have been like with a good group of teammates. Um, returning Tony Campbell and Ron Stokes and Troy Taylor, Granville Waiters. Uh, we could have been really, really good had I stayed. Um, but at that point, I was I was ready to, to, to make the individual call to step into the um, NBA waters because it had been a dream. I mean, it had been sure. a goal and a dream and a desire of mine. Um, at that time, you couldn't do any of the pre-draft workouts if you were declaring as an underclassman, so you had to kind of figure out or at least try to talk to folks who you thought knew what might happen with your future in terms of where you could be drafted. I felt pretty confident I would be a pretty high pick in the draft and was confident of my ability to uh, be an impact player when I got there and uh, had an opportunity to fulfill a dream. That really is the big part of what drove it um, for me.
0: And and then the 1982 draft, you were taken eighth overall to the Pacers and um, I've grown up a lifelong Pacer fan, so I, uh, even though I was a young, young boy, I, I, do have, uh, I do have very vivid memories of watching you play and going down to Market Square Arena and, uh, and watching you guys and, um, and some of my earliest basketball memories. Um, involved uh, games that you played in, so oh
1: wow, how cool is that? Yeah, all those, yeah, yeah, those
0: early days like that were just awesome. And uh, so,
1: about how old were you, Elliot? I mean, how old would you have been then? So in the early
0: eighties, early eighties, we're talking like seven, eight years old now. Oh, Five, those are the most seven, seven, yeah.
1: times when you go to big time pro sporting events. I would think, yeah, because I've got I've got two boys myself and a daughter, um, and I started exposing them to. Uh, college and pro sports games as i had opportunity to and um, they still talk about that stuff games that they attended with me whether i was broadcasting or just attending as uh, dad and son or dad and daughter and uh, those are special times
0: oh i'll never forget my first nba game Uh, my dad took me down to see the pacers and the uh, 76ers uh-huh. And we're heading heading down there and he's like, All right, now I gotta tell you about this guy, Doctor J and he, yeah. and he talked for twenty minutes about Doctor J and I was so excited to see Doctor J and I just remember that so vividly that, you know, you wow. build these guys up yeah. and uh, and just the you know, they become your heroes and it was just Oh I, yeah, yeah. I, no, I fell hard for the game of basketball and and I think a lot of it had to do with that car ride right there.
1: Wow. Well, so, you could have fallen harder for you could have fallen hard for a lot of worse things in the game of basketball, man. It has been uh, unbelievably good to me, and I'm so thankful to have journeyed through the game as a player and to now have enjoyed a, a really cool run as a commentator, of both college and pro basketball, for really over thirty years now. It's been a uh, a very blessed journey.
2: I um, my take on college basketball was involving Ohio State. My dad was an Ohio State alum uh-huh. and uh, uh, Jerry Lucas's team Wow! and uh, they took me down. The first game I went to Ohio State to see a college basketball game was they were playing Wisconsin. I think it was their junior year so they were national champions again uh, that year but um it was uh I mean, it was so amazing because I had a neighbor who knew uh knew, knew Hablachek's family from down there on the river somewhere,
1: uh-huh,
2: and uh-huh. Uh, so they got to take me into the dressing room after the game, and uh, also in there was a player by the name of Bob Knight, yeah Fr- Fred Taylor was in there, and yeah, Fred Taylor was legendary in in the state of Ohio. Oh, without question. At, at no that doubt. time, so that was, like, yeah. kind of cool. And, boy, your eyes would get big every one of these guys you see, a Siegfried or yeah Joe yeah. Roberts or any of those that's, guys, because
1: the, the they the were the national champs. History. Yeah, that's right. 1960, they won it all. It's the only time the Buckeyes have been able to hoist that national championship trophy. But um, I think we've got, we're going to have a chance in the future under Chris Holtman, I, I hope and believe that will be. An opportunity the um, Buckeyes
0: get to chase. So Clark, you uh, you get with the Pacers um, and uh, talk about the your your struggles with injuries. Um, yeah, you know it's. It, it was, I remember just being a fan and, and just being so my heart went out to you. I just as as a player and knowing, um, you know, you were a guy that I think the Pacers felt they could build around and, and that kind of thing. And kind of talk us through that journey for you and your career with Indiana.
1: Yeah, you know, it was an interesting time to be a Pacer. I obviously loved being drafted by the Pacers. I reconnected with a former teammate in Herb Williams and then Granville Waiters came a year after I did. And uh, so we had a little bit of a Buckeye connection there, fans great. Uh, we weren't as talented as the rest of the league, so we struggled mightily my first couple of years. Uh, And there was talk of the franchise moving. Um, Thankfully, the Simon brothers, Herb and Mel, um, came to the rescue and bought the team and have done a remarkable job uh, as owners of the Pacers. Um, But I never got a chance because of my knee trouble. I wore away college in my left. knee. My first two and a half years were extremely promising from a statistical standpoint. And I was looked at as one of the guys that could be part of uh, a playoff caliber team. Um, in the not-too-distant future, and then the knee injury happened, and in 1987, after three knee surgeries, and one in 84, one in 85, and one in 86, uh, my left knee just couldn't withstand the rigors of, of being an NBA player, and I had to retire at the age of 26, I mean, it was just a month or so after my 26th birthday, August of 87, that I had to retire from playing, and uh, it was challenging, boy. I tell you, it was, um, one of the most difficult things I, I had to go through, um, in terms of a, um, personal bit of adversity. Um, and yet the greatest thing that's happened in my life happened through that process. The injury is I was really confronted with, uh, the bigger meaning of life, life's purpose, um, uh, who is God, who is Clark Kellogg in addition to being a basketball player? What is uh, life's purpose as it relates to me? And I came to a faith in Jesus Christ Um, through my knee injury and some other life circumstances at that time. Mm -hmm. uh, Even though I didn't know exactly what I was headed for when I had to retire, um, I did know my future was secure because I had given my heart and my life to God through faith in Christ, and that's really been the essence and foundation of my journey since. Uh, Basketball being taken away as a player um, was part of me discovering life in its fullness and abundance through um, the goodness and and grace of God and his son Christ, and so even though I was terribly disappointed and uh, disheartened to not be able to continue my journey as a player, um, I had a level of peace and confidence around life becoming broader and fuller and more meaningful
2: in in whatever
1: direction it went after playing because of my um, newfound relationship with Christ. And that really is the driving force in my journey. Broadcasting came in almost immediately after retiring. I got a chance to start doing some Indiana Pacer games on radio which was really the beginning of the broadcasting career that I've had since then. Went from Pacers Radio um, to Cleveland State Television and Pacers Television, and then ultimately to ESPN and then CBS in 1997 full-time. And I've been there ever since. Um, Did Pacers games up until 2011 and worked in the organization until 2014 and so I had a 32-year career with the Pacers between playing and broadcasting and then working in the player relations area Um, and I've had a wonderful journey in broadcasting college basketball through Cleveland State, the Atlantic 10 Network, ESPN, and CBS. So uh, Basketball's given me a lot, but it's um, just what I do and what I love. It's not not who I am. Who I am is a Christ follower and I uh, try to represent that and him and in everything that I do and I'm uh, extremely grateful
2: well I'd suggest that uh, that you have done that uh, incredibly well I've always thought that uh, you're one of the best there is without question and appreciate you, that and you always handle yourself uh, publicly beautifully um, I've had I've brought up many people you over the years just to say hello, and this is Clark Kellogg, the announcer, former player, and you've always taken the time to say hi and that type of thing, and that really encourages me. And and having seen you do these things, uh, you know, I like to emulate you a little bit because yeah. you are uh, you're tremendous. You're one of you're one of the top three or four guys ever been in this business, and you know how to do it. Oh, thank
1: you, man. I really appreciate that, appreciate those words. And I give all credit to God, but I also give credit to my folks, my parents. Um, I have a great extended family around me, but my mom and dad, who both uh, have, have passed, uh, really were people people. Um, they instilled in all of us, uh, me and my siblings, that um, it's important that you treat people the right way all the time and that there's never a wrong time to do the right thing and being courteous and treating people with respect uh, is important, and it should be uh, standard and par for the course, and I've taken that um, to heart in uh, my journey and will continue to do so. It's just – and I had a coach. I went to a basketball camp years ago. I must have been maybe ninth or tenth grade, and I had a coach um, tell me, you know, Clark, you're going to have a chance to do, I think, some really – neat things in this game as a player but no matter how good you are it's uh, wonderful to be good but it's much better to be nice wow that's uh, cool yeah it really was cool and uh, Coach Sudak is no longer around but um, that phrase and his influence he was a coach at Case Western Reserve for years um, and him saying that to me at a time when I was a budding uh, prominent player um has really resonated and uh, stuck well, with me.
2: Well, you followed those uh, those words without question, so you've done a good job. Thank you, appreciate it, man.
0: And and I remember you calling Pacer games very vividly, and I remember some of your phrases and these sayings <laughs> that 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 you had. Now I'm, I I need to get the back <laughs> I, I need to get the backstory on some of these because some of these now to this day. Coach Painter and I, when we're talking about certain, we may be talking about a player or referencing something. You may not know this, but your sayings come up very often (laughs) in the Purdue basketball family. So, one of the things Coach Painter loves saying, he loves saying, like, uh, "You got to swarm him like bees on a pop can," and he now he attributes that to you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know what?
1: That is hilarious. That is hilarious, man. But you know what happens with me, Elliot? Uh, I really try to use everyday common things to convey basketball principles. So food, Mm -hmm. and though food is a huge one for me, because I think everybody, um, no matter where you are, where you're from, (laughs) who you're cheering for, can connect to food. So I use. Food analogies—that's part of my motivation for trying to find. And then I try to use everyday things that people can relate to, whether you've watched basketball for a long time or you're just a casual fan.
0: Oh, they're but they're phenomenal. Like they are—they are Hall of Fame material. The the bees on a <laughs> bees on a pop can is great. Then the other one. Then it's great that you mentioned food because I I specifically remember one time you were—and I forget the player you were talking about—but you said. He's just like pound cake—really, really simple, but really, really good.
1: And, <laughs> and hey, guys, and I love pound cake. I love yeah. pound cake. Quick. So that, that that resonates with me, and I think it connects with people who also might enjoy pound cake. So I, yeah,
0: that's awesome. That is. So and the, cool. Now the last one I'll leave I'll, because our, our listeners are going to love this. This now this is our all-time favorite, and I think you were I think you were saying this about Derek McKee
2: because okay, you were yeah. doing
0: games when when he was playing yeah oh yeah oh and yeah, and yeah. and for the uh, listeners of ours and our fans who are also pacer fans and know Derek mckee Derek was a smooth dude yeah. and um and just the way he moved on that court he just had kind of a a, a, a smooth motion yeah. and you're you had a phrase one time you said Derek mckee is like a baby's behind smooth yet explosive
1: <laughs> <laughs> i've used that for a couple of guys oh. one of yep. and that one has gotten a lot of play over the years oh that because is a lot of people can relate to that oh, Particularly that is... folks that have been um been parents or been around young kids you know exactly <laughs> exactly what that means so yeah, yeah that one typically um uh, and i bring i've it out for a handful of guys over the decades but i try to i try to sprinkle my stuff i try not to spray it too much oh yeah, it, well it's outstanding it fresh. and you make you man i appreciate
0: it oh you made quite an impact on me as a youngster i was listening to that i thought <laughs> this guy is the man that is awesome
1: <laughs> well it's important to have fun and i love love what i do and again like charles likes to say it's uh, we're just talking about basketball so right. i like to keep it simple and in perspective and try to serve the game and the players and um, the fans well and um and have a little fun in the process without getting in the way of everything
0: well and you're certainly one of our favorites and i know uh, we always see you a couple times a year on the road we watch you in studio a lot and then so our fans know um Clark really works at it. He was over here in the fall, uh, watching us practice, just came over on an afternoon and, and checked us out, knowing he'd probably have us during the season and a guy that does his homework and, and does a great job on air. So
1: Appreciate all that all those kind sentiments, man. But it's a wonderful I tell you, I tell people all the time, guys, and I'm sure Larry feels the same way and you do too, probably in the game the way you are that when you're doing something that you um, have an aptitude for, you have an appetite for, you have a passion for, and it's also something that provides a, a living for you, it's um, it's one of the wonderful gifts that God can give us to have us aligned with work that fits what we like and what we are are pretty good at, and it makes it a lot of fun. It actually is almost too much to call it work because you... So, enjoy what you're doing, and that's how I feel on a, on a daily basis.
2: I work with a guy in uh, Paducah, Kentucky, by the name of Gabby Bell. Uh huh. And we're doing a uh, Thanksgiving holiday tournament day. There's like four games, and I'm not home for the whole day. Like, uh-huh. my wife yeah. and my young child are there all by themselves as I do four high school games. Mm -hmm. But he used to tell me, I used to tell Gabby, I'd say, after doing the second game, I'd say, Gab, I'm telling you, man, this is so much fun. I'd do this for nothing. And he went, he went, he looked at me and he had this uh, face of expression of shock. And he said, what? Don't ever say that. (laughs) Don't ever say that, kid. Don't ever say that because you know what? If you say you'll do it for free, there's somebody out there to take you up on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the sentiment is real. The sentiment
1: is real when you enjoy it so much. The, uh, oh, you, yeah. You, yeah, That's the, I, I hear exactly what you're saying.
0: Well, our guest here is Clark Kellogg. And, uh, Clark, we end every podcast with a final four questions for each of our guests. And they're kind of non, non-sports-related questions. Um, and there's some of the Some of the most interesting um, times of the podcast we've had have been involving the Final Four. So we'd like to run these by you now as we wrap things up here. So our first question here in the Final Four is, what is your go-to music of choice?
1: Go-to music of choice for me is Contemporary Gospel.
0: Very good. So who are some artists now? Um, I've
1: actually been um, hanging out with a young fella by the name of Toring Wells. Okay. Uh, Hills and Valley is his most recent album, and there are a number of songs there. But I like Chris Tomlin as well. Uh, Mercy Me. I mean, there's so many. Lecrae. uh there's a, there's a bunch of artists, artists that I enjoy on the contemporary um, gospel side.
0: Well, if you ever cross paths with our former assistant, Jack Owens, who I know you know, um, that's the head coach over at Miami, Ohio now, that'll be uh, – you guys could probably spend a lot of time discussing uh, that music genre. That, oh, okay, that, perfect. That, I'll yeah. make sure that
1: we bring – when I cross paths, we'll, uh, yeah. we'll share notes in libraries.
0: That is right up his alley.
1: <laughs>
0: okay, question two here on the Final Four. Uh, what is your uh, favorite book or maybe a good book you've read recently?
1: I've got so many favorite. Actually, I just finished in the summer a book called um, The Warmth of Other Suns, oh, S-U-E-N-S. Yeah, it's, yeah. ab- it's about the um, great African-American migration from the South to the North from the 19, say 1915 to about 1970. And it tells the story from the perspective of three different families that migrated from different parts in the South. To different parts in the North and what their journeys were like. And it's a fascinating uh, read from a historical context, from a uh, personal um, trial and challenge standpoint. I mean, it's one of so a former um, Buckeye basketball player Curtis Wilson. You guys may remember him. He played a little bit after me, a guard. But, anyways, um, he recommended it to me. Um, and I read it this summer and it uh, was one of the best I've read.
0: So now I'm predicting that my wife is going to say that, you know, I always liked Clark, but now I would love him because she that is one of her favorite books. Really? Yes. And um, wow. it, that wow. was recommended to us by one of our former managers here. Is
2: uh, that right? And
0: it just through this podcast, we always talk about books and, and things that we're reading and that we enjoy. Oh, that's and great. And so this young man reached back out to me and said, I think you'd really like this. And then next thing you know, we have it in our library at home, and, and hey, it's man. still oh. on my list, but my wife loves it.
1: Oh, so. man, that's awesome to hear. That's terrific. So she'll be, I love books. I'm, I'm an avid reader, and I love books. Yeah, I always love reading.
2: Yeah. But Monica reads twenty books a week. yeah. I'm happy but
1: I can't quite that <laughs> Yeah.
0: We, well, that's the one thing I think we all wish we had a little more time for is to be able to plow yeah. through a couple more books. So.
1: Yeah. My, amen to that.
0: So, question three here on the final four: If you could wave a wand and do any profession, any other profession, what would that be?
1: As a broadcaster or a participant, any
0: or? any profession under the sun, if you could wave a wand and do it tomorrow, what would it be?
1: Wow, man. That's a really good one. Oh, oh wow
2: we've
0: had we've had a yeah. bunch of different. This is the one that we've had probably the most variation to. Yeah, and not wow. many repeat ones. There's one I thought I was thinking that I th- I would think you would that you would say, but I.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, Well, don't 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 um uh, don't leave me don't <laughs> li- don't leave me to that water. Man, that is really really good. wow. If I could do any profession. Ooh, ooh, ooh. It would probably be, and I think I might have a chance to do this or something. Oh, I, I, man, I can't, I, I'm, I'm stumped. I am absolutely stumped. Um, there are a number, I have a lot of interest, but I've just never thought about what would I want to do that, I, as a profession, there's mm-hmm, you know, different stuff right. on, a, on a bucket list that I'd want to do, but as a profession, it would probably be teaching. It would mm-hmm. probably be teaching. Yeah, it would, it would lean, it would, it would be some form of teaching, helping people um find their uh find their gifts and uh, fulfill their dreams it would be teaching molding teaching in, in, in a general sense it would be teaching
0: i thought you might say you want to be a pastor
1: well pastoring is teaching i mean yeah it's and that's also, the same yeah. it's a branch on it's a branch on that tree but the pastor i mean you typically have to be called to that that's not something that you chase at least gotcha. as i okay. as i understand the scriptures that's 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 a calling that God typically places on a life, and then you uh, you don't find peace until you heed it. <laughs> it's not I don't think it's something that okay. you'd say. So the teaching aspect of um, of of that is of the past. It's, it's again it's a branch on the on the on the pastoring tree. So teaching. yeah, I would say teaching. Yeah, okay.
0: And our final question here on the final four with Clark Kellogg is: What is something that no one or not many people know about you?
1: Um, when the kids were younger, we have three, they're grown now, and we've been blessed with two little granddaughters, but when the kids were younger, um, I was the one who did everybody's laundry and packed all the suitcases for any trips that we would take.
0: <laughs> that is outstanding. <laughs> now, now, was there some OCD involved here? Like, no, were just you... a
1: tad. No I'm, just, I'm, I, I'm not, no, I'm not OCD, but I okay. am very um, particular about order and um, efficiency. But not to the extreme sense. Um, OCD would be a tad strong for me. Okay. um, But I am about making sure things are where they should be. If you take something, put it back. Yeah. That (laughs) type of thing. Now, you and
0: I are cut out of the same cloth because I'm having that battle with my. Uh, with my two kids at home. Uh
1: How old are they? they?
0: Uh, My daughter's in fourth grade. My son's in first, so nine and six. And uh, Uh Uh so we are constantly battling uh, my son's big thing is, okay, now there's that pair of clothes on the floor. Is that clean or dirty? Uh, dirty okay so then it belongs in the hamper and if it's yep, clean it belongs back in the drawer
1: there you go so, right. yeah well so, have uh, fun with that man have fun uh,
0: with yeah. <laughs> you paid your time didn't you yes
1: you, sir
0: you yes, paid sir. your time yep oh man that is the the struggle is real with that one. Woo. Oh yeah yeah but it's right
1: blessings and challenges man that's yep. the joy of parenthood
0: so when you pack these bags is there any stories of like Did you epically forget something on a trip? No, no, no. What
1: happened was this is the way we did it. I would actually just say, "Hey, you guys lay out what you want to take, and then I'll determine how much of it we take and how we pack." (laughs)
0: Veto power. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. You
1: two, you put it out there, and then if we have to pull some stuff back, then I want to. Then you can prioritize what's most important when they were of age to determine i would always give them options yeah and then that way um, they felt like they had some control and it was a partnership but i ultimately would uh, organize it after they determine what they thought they wanted yeah
0: Yep. that's great well clark listen thanks so much for taking time i know you're very busy and a lot going on with with calling games and keeping up on games and your duties over at osu and all the other stuff going on in your life we appreciate you taking time to chat with us always great to see you on the road we have games and uh, we just we love we love what, hearing you do games love your studio work and I had a bunch of people after the Michigan State game you called the other day the other day on CBS here in Mackey I probably had three or four people that said you know I I, always, I know Clark's really good but then when he when he does a game with your team you really realize how good he is because man he knows us inside and out and and as Larry said you're one of the best doing it and and uh, just appreciate you taking time to talk to us today
1: Hey, an absolute pleasure man always great seeing you guys and to have a chance to spend time with you in this forum has been a, a real blessing and, and thank you guys for giving me the opportunity it's great fun and we'll see you down the road and i'm sure i'll be talking about the boilers in months sounds great sounds all right great.
2: guys thanks right.
0: thanks clark all
1: right take care All righty.
0: all right so that was episode 53 here on the podcast with clark
2: kellogg and uh He's a good guy man boy it doesn't get a whole lot better than him I mean he no, is no, no. Uh, he uh, from the time you meet him which could be 30 40 years ago and to this day I mean he just just has a great way of treating people and, and he' is a good announcer
0: yeah and, and I think you said it the way and, and what he uh, he kind of led you into it too about just him always taking time for people I've never seen him have a bad day or at least it never seems like it I mean every time you see him he's got a smile on his face always extremely cordial and uh, there's in, the, in a business like that where especially guys that rise to the level he is um, not everybody has time for everybody and uh, he's always been one of the guys that's been one of the good ones and and takes time to talk to people and uh, one of the good ones we see in, in this business and a uh, heck of a player um, and as uh, we talked about earlier, I have some fond, fond memories of him, him playing. So good episode here for the podcast. Number 53, and um, as Larry and I have talked about, we're going to try to keep hammering these out, cranking them out every couple weeks or so as the season goes on. And it's been a really uh, good ride here and a, and a good run that we've been on in, in terms of Purdue basketball. And uh, we'll try to keep, uh, keep bringing them in. Uh, the podcast and delivering them to everybody out there i got hit a couple times today on twitter saying when's the next one coming and uh, hopefully we'll get this out here in a day or two and uh, it was a really good one and really good to talk to clark so sure was thanks everybody for listening again you can always reach out to us at boilerballpodcast at gmail.com feel free to drop us a line with your suggestions and or feedback appreciate everybody listening and until next time be curious be informed and be well